welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into Six Again podcast. There is a bunch going on. We're going to try our best to get to everything. Whether it means we're going to spend less time on the games, let's hope not. Because uh, there's some really good games on the weekend. We do want to talk really about that. Bad games as well. There were some really bad games as well. <laughs> Night Bulldogs. Um, and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll fucking terrible. Um, there's been some awesome social media commentary, some really weird stats that I think don't know how many people even knew about this week, but it did occur in the Canberra Manly game. So I'll give Jared bonus points if he knows what I'm talking about. And. A couple of people giving us shout outs on social media this week. So I want to th- do a big shout oh, out. Oh, no, to did them I cop it? Through, the, through this episode. So this is oh, our shit. round 23 review where we wrap up the games from round 23. Have a look at where the comp's sitting with two weeks to go, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff going on expansion bids, COVID protocols, all that sort of stuff. So here, about to crack a beer. My name is Adam. Yeah. Ready for Pink a nap? Queer. My name's His Jared. Name Jared. Oh, yeah, ready yeah. for a nap. Yeah, that's right. You, you don't even know what tired is yet, mate. Oh, well, yeah. Well, it's coming, but I spent... It was actually a really good weekend this weekend because um, I spent all day Saturday and most of Sunday getting the baby room set up, so that's all good to go for a baby now. Oh, that- and it was my sister's birthday. She just turned 30, so happy birthday to Kelly. Wow. Um, yeah, she's 30 now. Adam's freaking out because he's older than all of us. <laughs> he's nearly 35. I'll get out of it. <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, Adam Adam is always older than all of us. And the fact that little Kelly's 30 now is ridiculous to him. That scares so. the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> almost as scary as that has been my tipping over the last few rounds. And... It's that time of the year where I've got to start taking some chances to catch up, especially at work. I know I'm out of the six again footy tipping comp. Uh, that was that happened a long time ago. But um, my tactic to go against the grain did not work out this week. So I got five out of eight. And if you look around, that's a really low score this round. But something I haven't seen before is Belly Bulldogs, Ben Liner and Easy Rider 22 uh, got full rounds, but they also got full rounds last week. So back to back nine pointers so well done boys um the underscore irk i'm just saying boys they could be girls my bad we haven't actually met any of them but the underscore irk and iguanos 89 i know who iguanos 89 is james um both also got full rounds this week so congratulations well, where does james get iguanos uh work it out Darren. um one two three four five six we have seven full rounds last week and then another five this week which is um absolutely crazy so that brings the total scores with two rounds to go. We have Burley Bulldogs and Ben Liner tying on 149 points. Now, that second full round in a row has given them a break, a three, a two, sorry, a three-point gap over Methodical Flamethrower on 146. And then we've got the underscore Irk at 145 and probably the last two in with a chance, Titanius and Easy Rider at 144 apiece, albeit an outside chance. Um, in taking out the footy tipping comp over at footytips.com.au. On the streak game where you've got to pick as many uh, winners as you can. Holy jeez. 
Yeah, Ben Liner's not going to get caught. He's on 30. He's picked 30 correct winners in a row. Uh, well done. Uh, he's just been picking Melbourne every week, has he? Well, round 22, he had Storm, Penrith, Roosters, Rabbits. And then last week, or well, round 23, he had Storm, Parramatta, Roosters. Um, Parramatta, big call. Yeah, I thought so. So, well, there we go. Uh, well done. Kicking absolute butt. Uh, at work, I was behind by two, but in front of third by two. Third got a full round and I got five. So I've now dropped from second to third while trying to catch up to first. So uh-huh. that's all right. Um, I'm on the down, but someone who's on the up is Andrew Fafida. So he is out of ICU. His what a surgery, segue. How's that? His surgery to repair his larynx or through laryngeal surgery was a success and um, he wants to put out a thanks to the nrl community at large and completely overwhelmed by the support he received um and was just grateful to let his wife nikki know that everything's going to be okay there's a really touching piece up on nrl.com about uh, a lady that he's met while in hospital um and triathlete by the name of um, uh, Alexa Leary, who was struck by a car during training earlier this year. Um, She's just celebrated her 20th birthday in hospital after waking up from a medically induced coma. And he said, it just puts in perspective what he's going through is completely, well, he didn't say completely, he said insignificant compared to what Alexa's been going through. She suffered fractures to her scapula, shoulder blade, wrists and ribs, a collapsed lung, significant nerve damage, as well as severe head injury uh while she was training last month and being hit by car like i just said so there's the move for lex campaign up on nrl.com at the moment and Fafita's getting behind that and it's the first time he went on social media after his surgery was a picture of him with alexa saying that she's been quite motivational for him and will continue to be so through his recovery uh he's expected to make a full recovery and should even be able to play rugby league again at some point if he so chooses to cool Go ahead. Um, good on him. Yes. Should we continue on with the good, the good news? I think we will. Um, Alex Glenn has uh, announced that he will be retiring at the end of this season. Uh, it's not the good news that he's retiring, but it's, well, it's, well. it's celebration um, of his career. And I did say last week that he's not adding anything on the field <laughs> no, at this stage of his career, and he's not. But I believe... The words were he's he's legitimately a loosened gate or something like that. He's a he's, he's a, a turnstile. That's what you call right it. Now. Yeah, he, he's, he's an absolute liability of a turnstile. That's the words you used last week. I I, I do not believe saying liability <laughs> turnstile, but I get what you're getting at. Yes, I said that he's not anywhere near as no. an impact on the field as he was, and he's pretty much taking up a position on the roster that a young guy should be taking at this stage. The nice way to put it. <laughs> So nothing against Alex Glenn as a person. He's one of the rarities in today's game where he's a one-club man. He's played all 282 games for the Broncos over a 13-season career, making him the fourth most capped player of all time. And doing that at a storied club like the Broncos, who seem to have more one-club players than a lot of clubs, even considering their short history, uh, that's an amazing achievement. He's a back row and centre, scored 59 tries, had 17 finals appearances, um, obviously played for New Zealand at the international level. 
at his peak was a stalwart in defense who could offer solid contributions in attack. He always had pace for a forward, albeit slow for a center, if that makes sense. Think Tony Carroll, I guess. And he was one of those under the radar good guys. There was never really a blemish against his name. A really consistent player. You knew what you're going to get out of him. He was a good leader, but the last couple of years in between the Seabold and Walters dramas, um, he probably would have wanted to stay on the field more than he did. But that sort of happens towards the end of your career. Injuries tend to pile up at times. So he played 14 internationals, two for the Cook Islands, 12 for New Zealand. And he'll be celebrated as a leader, basically, um, at the Broncos and someone who always did the jersey proud when he was out on the field. So congratulations, Alex, yeah, on he, your career. Feel feel bad for him because he would have debuted with the really high standards that Broncos developed back in the day, you know, under Webb. Yeah, so, oh, a bit like that. But, you know, the standards would have been there. It would have been around, it would have been held, held in high regard. And then, he, I don't know, he just kind of like, he, he kind of felt like when you read the Bulldogs, uh, the Broncos pages that he, he kind of, as the captain, as the leader, as the experienced bloke, he kind of got blamed for a, a fair amount of what was going on the last couple of years just because he was the senior bloke. But as Adam said, he always had crack. He always had a go. Um, his body mate gave him out, gave it out, gave out on him for the last 18 months. But on the other hand, Broncos are so lacking experience for the last but two to three years. He had to stay on board. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's the unfortunate reality of it. He had to stay there just to have that calmness, but he just couldn't turn the tide. Um no matter what you say about him, he's a great, like Adam said, a great bloke, no issues off the field, and he'll retire as one of the, uh, I think he's, what, the fourth highest amount of games for Broncos. So good on him. Yep. I like it. I like him. I always have nothing against Alex Glenn. All righty. Um, moving on from there. So a few other big things in the news this week, but we're going to, the next couple of stories all kind of link together. So we're going to go and look at the COVID situation in the NRL at the moment. So with the continuing and in ever increasing outbreak in Sydney, because some people still don't just get it in their heads that the best thing you can do right now is lock down and follow the rules and stop thinking of only yourself. Um, the NRL's basically said what their plan is going to be moving forwards. So one thing that Peter Volandes is looking at and the ARL looking at is a mass vaccination of players in Queensland before they head back to New South Wales. So this would be after the last round uh, for non-finals teams um, is a timeline that they're looking at at the moment. Um, So therefore, when they do travel back into New South Wales, um, vaccinations have already occurred and there's no, um, or there's less border-border risk. However, they've also said that the Pfizer demand is greatest in Western Sydney right now. And obviously members of the public in danger need to be vaccinated before the NRL players considering they're already in a bubble. Uh, this is also on the back of Penrith CEO, Brian Fletcher offering up Penrith, uh, Panthers leagues club as a mass vaccination hub for players when they return to Sydney. So while we're seeing in society, uh, vaccinations slowly increasing, they're still idiots. Actually quite ironic. Yeah, stuff doing those massive lockdowns 
That's their own little no, no, What protest. I find that ironic is that usually when you go to Pembroke, you actually get a disease. That. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's going to go down well with our Penrith listeners. That was all about <laughs> I, I don't. I don't even know where you get the 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 um notion of that. I've never even heard that out of Penrith. <laughs> The old riff. Saying, <laughs> although you're saying the irony of protesters going out about freedom, freedom, freedom. Um, <laughs> there's nothing. Your freedoms aren't being taken away, you idiots. It's literally 14 days. You hang out. Well, you don't hang out. It's a difficult 14 days, sorry. But I'd rather do that than like die. So the Delta strain, because it's affecting not just the elderly and already sick, um, it's got just as much chance it's going to affect an elite athlete as it will a day-to-day average Joe. And the fact that there's 20 and 30-year-olds in our ICU because of this strain, um, I'm not one that usually would take a medicine or a drug without extensive research behind it and et cetera, et cetera. But in this situation, we don't have that available. And I'll take my chances with a vaccine rather than taking chances with a virus that could kill me. Um, and for those that saying I'll survive it, I'm taking my chances. It's more to do with if you carry it, you could give it to someone who doesn't have that same immunity or whatever, or whatever. So the fact that the NRL is saying we're looking at setting up a mass vaccination shows how seriously they're taking this still, which is good to see. And this sort of stuff with regards to the COVID sense, I believe the NRL's done quite well overall and why we were backing Vlandis last year. It's more the football decisions that they've made that haven't been so flash. Now, piggybacking on the back of that, um, Nick Politis, the head of the Roosters, basically, and a very respected figure with regards to sports administration, has been pretty much the first Australian sports club to make a call on fans attending games, basically saying no COVID vaccination, no attending the footy when footy returns to New South Wales. So whether it's unclear if a policy of that scale could work legally, Roos's chairman, Nick Politis, has told the Daily Telegraph he wants to follow an American example and ensures he creates a safe environment for fans as they return to footy in 2022. So if you haven't been watching any American sports or the Premier League, fans are back. Um, in stadiums, etc. However, they do have to have been double vaccinated in order to attend. Um, I hope he's well within his rights to do this. It makes sense. Um, it's the only thing that makes sense, obviously, to, in my opinion. He said, we want members and fans to feel safe about coming back to the football and knowing the people they're sitting next to have been fully vaccinated. It might upset a minority of supporters, but it's the only way forward. I like it. Um, the it's, only problem it's I a see is one way street. Yeah, I like it. The only problem I see it is, as you said, the minority. But the unfortunate reality that it's the minority you go to Bruce's games anyway, so they're probably not going to have fans there. You're on it tonight, aren't you? <laughs> All this crap that's come from Jared's mouth is someone who hasn't had a vaccination. I can tell. <laughs> oh, come on, that was funny. I think all my favourite tweets on social media are like, guys, if you're single, almost every um, good-looking chick on Twitter is saying the sexiest people on this planet are those that are vaxxed. And um, 
I'm looking at that as a take and go, go, man, if you're single, just use that as your pickup line. I am vaccinated. <laughs> Sweet. Especially if it makes you sterile. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We do talk rugby league on here, not just um, <laughs> drugs. Sorry, sorry. COVID stuff. Bloody hell, you are tired. Um, so to back, back this up, the NRL has now drop their vaccine campaign so their motto is let's tackle this together the first ad that i've well the first ad i saw anyway was the 32nd one including players such as elliot whitehead um, jared wallace christian welch ben hunt nathan cleary uh wade graham and talking about their reasons why they get got the vaccine or why they're getting the vaccine and most of it's highlighting around the fact that they want things to get back to normal they want to be spending time with their family and friends as well as anybody else and they've got a privileged job. We understand that. And there are perks with it. But some of the disadvantages we've talked about many times in this podcast is the amount of time they've spent away from family and friends is usually and largely much more substantial than any of us will um, if we have to go through a lockdown or a quarantine. So it's a pretty powerful message. The 30-second ad is those that I've mentioned, but other players and officials and um, administrators involved in the campaign include NRL's NRL, so Eels NRLW star Kennedy Charrington, Carl Flanagan, Corey Waddell, Joe Stimson, Melbourne's Chris Lewis, Isaiah Papalihi, Luke Garner, Danny Badiris. Um, there's a whole bunch of players, ex-players behind this campaign. And if you still want more information about the vaccine and your eligibility to receive one, head to australia.gov.au. Um, I go oh, mine and it is... Oh, in all seriousness, um, this is actually going to be interesting, really interesting few weeks, especially going into the finals in regards to, well, the obvious hot topic, as Adam's discussed, of people not wanting to do it. Um, you know, there's, there's mm-hmm. noted anti-vaxxers in the NRL system right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name who they are. Everyone knows who they are. But the reality of it is that they, they have... They're anti-vaxxers, you know, for a child, let alone a vaccine that's only been out six months. Um, So it'd be interesting, you know, if there's repercussions for not, if the NRL is allowed to, because there's no actual, I don't know if it's called a legal precedent to state that you, you... well, no jab, no play, or no jab, no. It's kind of like or... the complete opposite of the steroid saga. Yeah, it's That's it's right. really, it's really, um, it's really going to be interesting next year, really, because obviously the rollout's not going to. It's going. I think it'll affect that next year's preseason more than this season's finals, um, just because that's when it's all going to be you know, talked about more and all that kind of stuff. So keep your eyes open on this one just because of which players blow back and the reasons they blow back at it. And, you know, um, for example, one, one that actually comes to example, not really related, but kind of, Will Hoppawade a couple of years ago when he went into his Mormon mission yeah. of the Bulldogs, he didn't want to play Sundays. Yeah. Bulldogs turned around and goes, well, you can only play, I think it was like 65, 70% of the games. Yeah. That's what we're going to pay your wage at. Fair. 
Um, yeah, I, I agree with it. You, it's a it's a decision for him. It's a religious decision. Fair call. It's a, it's highly up to him. But he has to deal with the consequences of that. Yeah. Um, if players, um, this is well, kind of same thing. If you don't take the jab, you don't get to play, and that that's your livelihood. So yeah. it'd be interesting um, what the NRL do if the players engage, um, you know, litigation or anything like that. So keep your eye on this one. It could go a lot further than. Yeah, I, I think I think the NRL is going to take the the stance of the overseas precedent. So the NHL is working through this at the moment. Um, they came back. They've now had two uh, two seasons affected by COVID. One a bubble, and then last year they literally reinvented their conferences. So there was less travel across state borders. Um, coming into this season, it's basically if you want to travel with your team to play, you have to be double vaccinated. If you're choosing not to, you're at home or you come to your own facility to train um, and you're undergoing testing all the time, um, but you're only going to get paid for the home games. So Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure if you're going to do 50% we of your job, we're going to give you 50% of your pay. There's no real option here because this is bigger than you as an athlete. Yeah, and, and we were talking about the other day, um, I read an article recently saying that if you don't, if you refuse to take the vaccination, as long as there's an effective lockdown in Australia or yeah. whatever the rules state, you've got to stay in level four restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, what happens is that the rest of your team get to go out and spend and well live their lives, be with their family, you've got the vax, and you stay in a hotel room um, by yourself when you're not training, when you're not doing that. So keep an eye on this. And it's not just a, it's also not just a rugby league issue. It's a society. Yeah. It's a societal, societal issue. So I think it's great. People doing protests and everything are going to be the ones in lockdown while the rest of us are back to normal because we've all been vaccinated. So anyway, um, Josh Dugan twice over the weekend has been, well, he's been formally charged for an alleged breach of the New South Wales public health order. (laughs) He was stopped by police on Friday night with a friend driving west west through Lithgow. He was then stopped 40 minutes later again, driving in the wrong direction, having ignored police orders to return home. So two different sets of cops. They told the first cops they were moving in the area and were going to feed animals um, at another location. He then told the next group of officers he and his friend were in fact going to a friend's house for the weekend. So he was charged with two counts, each of failing to comply with COVID-19 directions after further engagements from the police. He's reportedly defending his innocence, claiming to have correct paperwork to be in the area at that time. Um, Don't put yourself in the situation to start with. And if you had the paperwork, it should be on you and you should be able to show it straight away. They're the rules. So another Um, decision against the Green by Dugan. So it's going to be interesting why the club well, won't, renew, won't renew his contract. Yeah, issue, I was I just say. saying that. I'm reading the article right now of all the players that are off contract, had them out of contract for 2022. He's the top of the list at Cronulla. Yep. Um, so, and I've said it a million times, NRL turn away from star players if uh-huh. they've done something wrong. <laughs> Andrew Jones. They, I doubt Cronulla are going to be like, you're not, I, I sorry, I, I think Canal are going to go. Your performance on the field is not worth this bullshit. Or money. So I don't think this guy's going to get re-signed and probably get picked up by the Tigers. You said you reckon he's Scott gone? 
I reckon you, I reckon you, they can't afford oh, you didn't, to. You didn't pick risk. up on the segue that time. Um, someone who oh, missed Scott, Scott Bourne is Curtis yeah. Scott. <laughs> Raiders yeah. terminated his contract um, based on his involvement in a nightclub incident uh, on August. Oh, sorry. The Raiders issued a statement on Monday to say the board had decided to take the action effective immediately after it had carefully considered the statements made at the show cause hearing with Curtis on August 17 and the material supplied afterwards. So pretty much since Curtis Scott was signed by Canberra from Melbourne on a four-year deal, he's been nothing but drama for that club. He's made just 23 appearances over 18 months due to suspensions, form, injury, um, runnings with the law. So he was charged with assault, occasionally causing bodily harm over his alleged fight in a Canberra nightclub in May. Um, Scott intends to fight when his case is heard next Monday. So Canberra, I think, have made the correct decision here. They're washing their hands of this guy, regardless of whether he is uh, shown to be innocent rather than guilty. You have this, um, on top of that, one where he's completely drunk and had collapsed under police escort and... The fact oh, that he should once he left Melbourne, he's not actually that good if he's not placing <laughs> a perfect structure for him. Um, and in a, in a situation where the clubs are losing so much money and NRL is losing so much money, you only want people in your club that are all pulling in the same direction to get through this as a team. And most of his decisions from what we've seen outside have been made with him in mind as opposed to what's best for his yeah, I, in his club. He's exactly the same boat. His performance is on the field and not enough to protect him. Um, he, he, yeah. I don't like this bloke. I'm off him. So if you look in Canberra, I think this is a um, look at this from a silver lining point of view. Uh, with him off the books, George Williams mid-season release. They've got some money to spend um, in the off-season Ash Taylor and Gareth Widdop names were thrown out there. Widdop's uh, remaining in Super League for another season by sound of things. Um, There's rumours about Mitchell Pierce. Yeah, yeah Mitchell Pierce, another name who's been thrown up. So keep your eye on that. Um, on the upside for Canberra, they've continued their, they've continued to sign a lot of good youngsters to the club. Like we talked about Sebastian Chris, Harley Smith Shields, Matt Tomoko, et cetera. So I'd look at this as a positive if I'm a Canberra supporter. Now, in between all of this sort of stuff, oh, sorry, uh, I forgot Adam Elliott's been stood down for the rest of the season at the Bulldogs due to a, uh, what did they say? Um, I want to get their wording right here. It's hilarious. An inappropriate act at a Gold Coast restaurant on the weekend, which Jared may have some inside information. So Millie Boyles jumped on Instagram in defence, their old friends, her words, we got caught kissing in the toilet. Um, yeah, were they actually in the toilet or in the cubicle? Oh, mate, I, I, I don't have pictures. Um, okay. He is a Bulldogs player, so I'm surprised there, won't be, there probably will be pictures taken soon. Um, you know what Fox Sports are like. But you've single-handedly alienated like three, three club supporter bases in 25 I, that, I, I think, what are you talking about? That was a... That wasn't the Bulldogs. I'm not having to go with Bulldogs in that one. That was Fox okay. Sports climbing up a fucking tree back in 2019. Uh, what I'm saying here is 
Um, oh, okay, yeah, no, I see. Yeah, that's what I meant by that. Like, I'm not having to go at Fox Sports, and that's a standard thing on this podcast. We yeah, hate Fox true. Sports on here. No, what what I'm saying, what I'm saying with this folk is that I think he likes a party. <laughs> that's all it is. I'm not the biggest fan of him as a player, but he's he he is a very tough player. He's very, but I think he lets his emotions get ahead of him. Um, he's Millie like boils up Tyson Gamble. Yeah, I mean, oh, I can't stand Dawson Gamble. Um, I just said right now, see, now you've only had Brisbane. By the end of this, there's going to be like one club left. Oh, yeah, it'll be man. Newcastle. Um, actually, it won't be after what I'm going to say about them after their effort on the weekend. No, nah, he just likes to party this bloke. Um, he was in the right place. Um, there was an NRL sanctioned bar, and um, Millie Boyle's come out and defended him. So I don't think much is going to come off this. I don't think it should anyway. Cool. But anyway, he's been stood down for the last two games while this investigation takes place. I reckon he's probably happy about that. He's out of the bubble now. He can go back to New South Wales. No. <laughs> if you want to. He can he go see his family. Do you, do you he's like, him? yes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so in between all this, there was a pretty big... Uh, Decision, well, not decision, but pretty big business uh, meeting, we'll say, that occurred today, I believe. And it was the last pitch of the three Queensland expansion teams to the ARL. And I think we mentioned only last week that the ARL said that they were going to put these sort of talks on hold till they got on top of the COVID outbreak in Sydney and all the preps and plans and money was going to go towards them. Well, as soon as like, they got over it pretty quick and... Um, the final formal meetings with the teams were held today. Is that correct, Jared? Yes. So they all there's um, there's been a bit of drama there. There's a lot of people taking pictures of the CEOs that no one's ever seen in their entire life representing the three um, clubs. Going, oh look who's going in now! That person only got two and a half hours. This person got two hours forty five minutes. Um, Was there drama? Drama. You take the over or under on that. <laughs> Dramas unfolding at the Brisbane NRL headquarters. It's all going down. Um, look, here's how I see it. Peter Volandis doesn't fuck around. He's already made his decision. He's just entertaining the other two at this well, It's point. not just his decision. Yes, but he's going to... He, I guarantee you that his, his vote is going to have a hell of a lot of weight behind it. I think it'll count as one. I reckon it might count as... Two and a half. I but don't, so I don't think he'll be here. But, uh, <laughs> but he, he, he will be here because the decision we made by the end of the year. What are you talking about? No, I mean, like, um, he pretty much said he'll be here till we get the expansion done and then he'll bugger off back yeah, to the racing. So he, he, I guarantee you his, his weight will go down. And he's, they've already come out and said that um, they're not going to prop any of these blokes up so essentially not going to give them any money to get started yeah which they've done for titans gold coast melbourne fucking west tigers when they they pulled west tigers out about three times since 2000 since they combined with um western suburbs yeah i don't look at finances so i don't know if jared's telling the truth there so go on his word and reference it yourself yeah no i know gold coast i don't know about the other two yeah, and they propped up Newcastle. Insane. They propped up Manly a few times. So they're saying whoever's got the most money um, has a good chance, and it's the most sustainable future will make it. I think 
80% of this is going to Redcliffe winning this bid just because they've got the facilities, they've got the money, they've got the history, which means people will actually want to go play for them. Yeah. Um, I guarantee you, if Bronco, Broncos are shitting themselves with Redcliffe, because half their team out of there, um, they'll they'll get a they'll get an all star coach who's come from there. They'll get yeah, it's, yeah, it'll be massive. They've already turned you know Redcliffe's already turns over fifty million dollars um, annually, so they're in a pretty good yeah. spot. And they've got hundred million dollars in assets. However, Firehawks can't be counted out because East um are, have a really decent setup and they have a bit of money in the bank as well, and um, pretty big money area where they're situated. So uh the the Jets are pretty much the ones who look at, on the outside looking in at the moment um, with regards to those in the know, which probably means they'll be the ones who end up getting the license. So there's even an idea of the Jets and Firehawks going together to take on Redcliffe. And if that's the talk, then it shows that Redcliffe's generally the stronger uh, expansion bid. So that'd be really interesting to see. There even whispers that a decision will be made uh, grand final weekend this season. Oof. So that's really cool. And then he'll be the first signing unveiled. So, you know, when Newcastle make the grand final, Caelan Pong is like unveiled as the new Redcliffe star. Yeah, something like that. Or yeah. Harry Grant, who knows? Um, yeah. How about we talk about some actual footy talk? So, over the weekend, uh, Clint Gutherson did something pretty sneaky with regards to the captain's challenge loophole. So, uh, one of his teammates, I can't remember specifically who it was, offloaded the ball backwards towards his own line. It went backwards. Ball was on the ground. Valentine Holmes and who was the back? Uh, Joey Lussick? Yeah. Yeah, Joey Lussick. Uh, both went for the ball. Valentine Holmes did a small push in the back of Joey Lussick, which allowed Holmes to jump on the ball. And Gutherson appealed to the ref for the penalty. It was not forthcoming. So Gutherson tackled Holmes, held on to him for a, a while, then ripped the ball out of Holmes' grip, um, which gave a, a break in play basically, because he had given away a penalty. Um, Gutherson then went to the ref, I want to challenge the knock-on call. Knock-on against who? Uh, I'm not sure, whatever. Um, so they went upstairs looking for this knock-on against, that was charged against Parramatta to disprove it. Ball went backwards. There was no knock-on on the whole play at all, but what they did pick up was Valentine's home pushing the back of Lusick, which allowed him to get the ball. So basically what happened here was Gutson stopped play on purpose to go to come up with a challenge, which he knew he wouldn't get in order for the bunker to see a penalty that wasn't awarded. Bloody smart. I'll give him that. However, this brings up two things that I don't agree with. One, referee Ashley Klein warned Gutherson that he would have been sin binned for deliberately breaking down the play had the challenge gone against him. But because he deliberately broke down the play and was awarded a call, he didn't get simp in. That's just bullshit either way, because he's literally, Ashley Klein has literally admitted that he broke down play on purpose. That's a sin bin either way, whether you're right on your call or wrong on the call. So like we've always said, the rest not going to change his mind if you argue with him. Well, he did in this case. The second thing, the review is for a knock-on, yet the review was successful because they got a penalty. That doesn't make any sense. I get it. The Cowboys gave away a penalty. Sweet. It was missed. The call is for a knock-on, not for a penalty. So to me, he got the review wrong anyway. 
Um, I know that's not how it works, but it doesn't. Oh no, to further compound this, when Annesley was asked about it, he said they're comfortable with how the captain's challenges are. These are new rules that have only been played for a couple of seasons. I think that we need to review how they're operating. As time passes, some things and parts of a rule where you think we probably need to tweak that a little bit. Uh, you're experimenting in the middle of a fucking season where there are finals points on the line. Paramount got a penalty, went up the other end, and through sustained pressure, they scored a try in the second set. I think they were up there. Um, I, I, if I was a fan of a team or if I'm an administrator of a team that gets kicked out because um, we're operating under new rules and it's going to take time and we may tweak it here, there and everywhere till we get it right, that's not good enough for me. Um, I just, I just hate how the NRL just continues to push this sort of shit under the rug when this is having more of an impact on the field and where teams land and viewership and even commentators are at a point where they don't know what's going on at times. So, two thoughts on this. If it was a one-off, maybe, but this is just... Nah. I have an issue of how tries... And Adam brought this up, but I think we talked about it last year. How have Tryson to the bunker and um, Captain's Challenge are done? Um, and Adam said it before the podcast started. If the referee goes up, I want to check that knock on for a Captain's Challenge or a try. That's all the bunker should be checking. You should only check what the referee wants. So you shouldn't be starting at the play for a obstruction 50 metres away from when a try started because that's just wasting everyone's time. On the other hand, I applaud Gufferson for this. Yeah, I said it was a smart call. No, just because he bullshitted a bullshit system. So Mm -hmm. he got what he wanted. He got the penalty. He was right. The captain's challenge, and I've said it before, is the most Bullshit fucking thing in the rugby league world right now. The fact that they can openly question a referee's decision on the middle of the field is absolute crap. And when it got brought in, the people who were most pumping it up were like, on one hand going, we want a quicker game, but we want to complain about the referee. So let's slow the game down by giving everyone multiple challenges throughout the game while they were sipping on their rum because they're a bunch of dumb shits. So no 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 you're not you're not all. <laughs> so Gary's referring um, to himself here as the number one. <laughs> so he bullshitted the bullshit system. Good on him, but the bunker system needs to be overhauled as far as specifically what they want in the games. Like you know, I I honest to God, when a tries brought up and then they award it, and then two minutes later, I think it happened three times in the Newcastle Bulldogs game, they stood on the 20-meter line, put their arms up, and it, I, I can't even watch it, honestly. I can't even watch them. That's the time to go get go get your beer. Yeah, it's like, the, it's like the freeze point. Like I, I just sit on my phone or, you know, as Adam said, I start cooking dinner, and then 20 minutes later, they start the game again because, and you know, I've got all potatoes all, you know, ready to go in the oven because I've, because I've got that long yeah. to do it. It, it, it is. And, 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 that, and they could honestly just slow it down by going, oh, we only want to check the knock on at contact here. 
Yeah. Take two seconds to do it. Yeah. And I understand why it's in there to check all that stuff, but it's, it's really not helping the game. I, it, n- nothing about this video, video referee is helping anything. You could entire game. You could literally watch an entire game through the bunker and pick up 4,000. say points. on average five to 10 extra calls that you didn't see in the game. You'll probably yeah, get it's back just, three or four extra calls. So yeah, it's just it's just crap. Um, and I know because of betting and how much money is involved, they can't go back to just a referee's word. No, but, but that's geez. what I mean. The fact that now Annesley's saying we'll tinker with this here and there. Yeah, I know. That's even worse than that. Like Adam Adam Adam, Adam hates uncertainty in a in a in a um officials thing, but he, he just wants to go. This no, is no, the rule. Just, we might change it next year. I think that. You don't trial it in the top league. Yeah. You, do you go, it in this an is the rule. And if you don't have an off-season, then you don't change it till you do. You can't just throw, this yeah. is the top league of this sport in the world. Let's just try some extra, extra things in here. Um, yeah, we'll I know. do that in, I do that on the daily in HB where I get kids to modify games and sports. Because there's nothing on the fucking line except for education. Um, yeah. Which is it makes important, obviously, but we're talking about betting and money and everything here. Yeah, so the bunker's but, there to look at one thing, not to try and find every single reason not to award a try. And yeah, it's, it's doing just, at the moment. It, like, you know, the the it, it should be in there. I don't know if you watched it. The Jaden Ockenbore try on the weekend. Oh, that was brilliant. That was absolutely. That's where the bunker should confirm that shit. Not the, you know, what's another try I saw um, where they went up to the bunker. The you know, the Inari Tuala one or what, you know, there's other ones in there that you're like, this, this stop. Oh, is that the okay. one where you stood on the, stood on the line? No, no, that, 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 that should have been looked at. No, yeah, that sorry, one. I, was, I was just thinking, you know, the, the Inari Tuala one, yes, the Mitch Barnett net one, uh, when Daniel Safidi scored, or Jacob Safidi scored, but other ones where it's so clearly a try, but they're looking at it obstruction or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. foot in the plate of all four passes earlier. Yeah. And you're like, fuck off. Just stop. Yeah. This, this is um, crap. So we're just going to cover two. Oh, sorry. One more. One more bunker. rant. Um, also don't like the bunker when they go back 12 plays and they put someone on report. And that's like 12 plays later. So, because uh, that's I, the point. That's the uh, point of the match review committee. All they have to go is, Look at that match review committee, and we because they match review yeah, review committee look at every game and go, oh, he should be charged for this. Let's do it. Not stopping the game to put him on report twelve plays later. That shits yeah. me off. I don't think they actually have ever stopped the game specifically for that. Or you generally do it in a stop of play, but it does take up more time. Um, yes. Two other ones here: the Mark Darren Nichols one. Um, <laughs> why that might have been questioned by some people saying, oh, there's people offside on every kick. Yes, there are. The NRL referees are given the order to use discretion with that rule. So technically, every single person in front of the kicker when the ball's kicked is offside. However, if um, they don't do anything that uh, involves anything significant on the next play, it's kind of wiped away. In this case, uh, Darren Nichols, Mark Nichols, was in front of the kicker uh, when the ball is kicked. There was a knock on by the um, uh, opposing uh, t- player on the opposing team, D- Dylan Edwards, I believe, uh, no, Stephen Crichton. 
um, knocked the ball on in the return and Nichols jumped on the ball. Now, he's had a role in that play and he was in an offside position. That's why it was called a penalty. Um, if the tackle had been made over the other side of the field and Nichols wasn't involved, it would have been play on. That's literally the differential there. Now, the third and final one that I wanted to ask about that isn't being talked about anywhere, uh, which kind of annoyed me because to me, as a person sitting on the couch was one, the first thing I saw live and then the first thing I picked up on replay was the West Tigers-Cronulla Sharks match. Now, uh, Adam Dewey scored a try, one off the scrum. Uh, so Tigers are 10 metres out from the Sharks uh, line. They picked a scrum in the middle of the field. Uh, Dewey ran one off the scrum, sidestep inside Braley and went over the try line um, through Teague Wilton's tackle, even though Teague Wilton was holding on. It was awarded a try. It got called up by the bunker saying wanted to look at contacts in the scrum. So the prop from the Tigers held on to Teague Wilton's jersey and prevented him from leaving the scrum um, as early as he could. While Teague Wilton did get to the tackle eventually, it wasn't enough to stop Dewey going over. Now, it was a penalty. I'll agree with that. But what wasn't talked about at all and what I saw live, and then if you pause and watch the replay, two Cronulla Sharks players broke from that scrum before the ball was out. So technically, one of the big rules this year that the NRL said that they would stamp on is players leaving the scrum early in order to gain a defensive, to gain a defensive advantage. Blake Braley was the first one to break. He ran out so fast that Dewey sidestepped him on the inside and went through it anyway. But the fact that you could see it pretty plain and clear on the replay, both teams should have got a penalty, but it should have gone to the Tigers first for Sharks breaking from the scrum early. So I felt for the Tigers in that case, it shouldn't have been a try, but they should have at least got a penalty. And that was a big change in the game because they were still kind of in it at that point. And then we saw the Sharks blow them away in the second half. So I think there's more than a couple of rules that need um, tinkering up per se. All right, let's get on to some signings and blah, blah, blah sort of rumours. So Roosters have had North and allegedly poached two youngsters out of the Broncos system, brothers Xavier and Della Sala Va'a. Now, these boys are 17 and 15, so Xavier's 17. Uh, they're both approximately 115 kilos and 194 centimetres tall. Uh, it's pretty big. Um, they're also yeah. state-level boxers, as well as being highly regarded in the rugby league world. So a massive pickup here from the Roosters. They've beaten off interest from Sharks, Cowboys, and obviously the Broncos as well. So add this on to pick up of Sam Walker and the Roosters are becoming quite a pain in the ass, I'd say for the Broncos. Um, Kevin Walters has stated that the Broncos will be looking to pick up an experienced forward um, to replace the loss of uh, Alex Glenn. Um, while they've picked up Kurt Capewell already, they've also got Jordan Rickey, TC Rabadi coming through the system, Tom Flegler, Payne Haas, Patrick Carrigan. They want an experienced forward to help lead that group. Uh, names that are reportedly being thrown up there are Ryan James, Dylan Napa, Josh McGuire. Oof. Um, basically, they're not the specific, uh, not exactly the ones that they will specifically only target. They will be looking elsewhere, looking for a senior forward, help with some leadership. Um, 
Good news for Newcastle Knights fans. Callum Ponga said he has no intentions of going anywhere for his 2023 and 2024 player option years of his contracts. He said he wants to stay to win a premiership with the Knights. That's what he's dreaming of at night. And now he definitely still wants to make that happen despite his bum buddy, Connor Watson, heading back to the Roosters. Bum buddy. (laughs) Pretty much. Look, see... The stupid thing I found about this was, yes, they're super close. Like they're on Instagram, they're roommates. But it lived. How they, often has that? How often has that happened though? Like in the NRL. Um, well, Moses Bro- Tedesco both left. Um, Brooks, well, so Moses Tedesco Brooks all lived in the same bloody house it's after they left. Yeah. Like it, I, I don't. Maybe he does leave. Um, like I can't. Like, like you said, he's got player clauses for next three years, but this isn't a sign he is going to leave. It's just, it's just. Well, he was obviously you know. going to get asked about it. Does this? Yeah, I know, but like, the other? Uh, and if you're the highest is, profile player at your club, you're definitely going to get asked about it. Does this change? Yeah, but like, uh, I don't get it. I really don't. Whatever. I do. I just look at the upside. Um, now, this has been an interesting story. So, a couple of days ago, there was word coming out of the Bulldogs that they were trying to offload Luke Thompson um, based on his output compared to the money that he's been on. I think it's more so the fact that he's been suspended more than his output. So when he's been on the field, he's been the Bulldogs' best incredible into Jaden Lee with um, Josh Jackson. He's actually having quite an underrated season. However, the fact that he's on approximately $900,000 or between eight and nine, um, People seem to think that the Bulldogs are trying to get him off the books to clear room in the salary cap so they could buy another couple of players. That's now been retracted in that Luke Thompson has talked with Phil Gould, the GM, telling him he's not looking for a longer deal elsewhere and dogs are not looking to offload him um, despite supposedly considered interest from the Tigers and the Cowboys. So I'd say good news there for the Bulldogs. And Bulldogs fans, I would say that they would probably look at downgrade his price, I'd say, on the next deal based on the fact of how many players they've brought in. If you think their forward pack next year could have Paul Vaughan, Davida Pangai, and Luke Thompson, they should have a bit more go forward than they had. Uh, and this, this bloke's year. only 26. Yes. Like, he's been damn good. and as you said, he's been Pangai, he's been damn good. Pangai, Vaughan, Jackson, Elliott, um, Heverington. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty formidable forward pack. Yes, and um, let's have a look. Any other? So we got specific signings. Um, no, we'll talk about that when we actually look at the game. All right, signings that have been ticked off. So Jesse Arthur's will remain a Brisbane Bronco for another two years. Um, Damn it! So yeah, good news to Broncos fans if yeah. you're Jesse Arthur's. Brisbane have also added young South Logan prop Logan Bayless on a two year deal. West Tigers forward Alex Seifarth has inked a new deal to keep him there till the end of 2023. Um, he's been there since 2018, where he's the club's Jersey flag player of the year. Nat and Egan Butcher have both signed two-year extensions at the Roosters. Massive. Um, yes. And Canberra has continued the re-sign of their upcoming, upcoming talent, locking in Harley Smith-Shields and Trey Mooney. Uh, Smith Shields to the end of 2023 and Mooney till the end of 2024. 
So Canberra doing everything it can to hold on to all of its youngsters coming through the system. They're obviously doing good things down there because all of them have re-signed. That's everything yeah, no. I have with regards to news, signings, et cetera, et cetera, except for that random stat from the um, weekend. So in the Manly-Canberra game, do you know what was achieved during that game? That's kind of... Manly won without Trevojevic? No, we all knew that had happened, but um, <laughs> this all came from a great tweet by the Screaming Eagles podcast, their first tweet for Manly when they were down 12 nil. Serious concern to see Manly lose their way in the first half without Brad Parker. Um, <laughs> the first reply to that underneath got me, had me going, go, said, uh, this is by Troya 80. Um, hard stat, boys. Harper, so Morgan Harper, when he scored that try, is the scorer of the 89,000th try in top flight rugby league. So there you go. Over the weekend, Morgan Harper, you scored the 89,000th try of the top flight rugby league era. I thought Andrew Voss would have been all over that, but not a word to be said. That was such a random stat. I had to throw it in there. Um <laughs> Let's finish on a negative stat, eh? The AFL, oh, yeah. outrated, awesome. the AFL outrated NRL last week on free-to-air in Brisbane. Oh, because no one gives a shit and watches Channel 9 anymore. It's horrible TV. First time that's happened. Free-to-air. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Broncos win of... a few games. See, that's the thing. Broncos supporters no, have been they... terrible the last couple of years. It doesn't matter. Brisbane's a one team. And you think of what was on Friday night, Penrith versus South, that's generally a game that most people would tune into anyway, even in Brisbane. That's a scary stat. So I want to dig into that a little bit more in a further episode. After that huge first set, I need to have a break. Um, We'll be back with Casualty Ward and Judiciary in our hard hit segment um, and see which players your team may be missing for the last two rounds okay so we're back with hard hits which is judiciary and injury news so luke thompson's season with the bulldogs is over after he accepted a crush attack at judiciary it was facing a three-game ban but it was reduced to two with an early guilty plea i'm getting so sick of this crush attack debate like not debate. I just, I just, it seems to be two or three every week. Nothing's been done to curb it. It just happens. I, I really don't see how they think a player is doing it on purpose. Um, when you say if the person's being tackled, just twist in one motion, all of a sudden they will face you and then they're face away from you because something's happened in the tackle. You can't move as a tackler and you're literally falling while this happens. It's just, yeah, I it's, it's I, 95% it, of these are incidental. And I hate but the fact that they get too, punished for it. Why doesn't the runner get punished too. for running in a certain fashion? Yeah, okay, in saying that too, like, yeah, you know, I agree with the tackler shouldn't be, uh, the tackle or what he, runner shouldn't be put in. But the NRL's mantra is trying to rub out stuff, potential stuff that can hurt. And that's but why they're doing it. Been there for but I, I do have a thing for you, though. Like, okay. Um, a lot of players are getting done for it. So, like you said, Luke Thompson. I don't think this is this the last time he's been done. For, no, the first time he's done, no. been done for this this year. 
Um, on the weekend, Andrew McCulloch was obviously injured. Um, yeah. Jaden Braley over the weekend needed, I think it was like 22 tackles to overtake him as yeah. the leading tackler this year. He hasn't done one. So he's done the most tackles all year. And he, I think it's like 950 or yeah. something. Question I want to put to you is, if someone's done 950 tackles compared to what Luke Thompson's done, multiple crushes, mm. why hasn't Jaden Braley done more crushes? Like, done more crushes because he my, has a higher first, tackle efficiency answer, rate. So my first answer being put on the spot like that is he's a lot shorter than Thompson. So it's very rare that he's going to be tackling someone up top where he'll already be higher than their shoulders. Um, that's my first okay. just when it comes to physical attribute, I'm trying to think if I'm in a position, I'm thinking from Jaden Braley as me when I was playing league, I was always one of the shorter players on there. It's very hard for me to get in a position where if I'm tackling someone up top, I'm above their shoulders hugging down on them. It's more, I'm just trying to wrap the ball up and hope and wait for help if I'm not going to okay, take the lead. So, so the only way well, I'd see Braley in a crushed tackle situation would be the player already on the ground and him then kind of finishing off a tackle. Okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. Jaden Braley's only two centimetres shorter than Luke Thompson. But it, what's the weight differential and massive? Oh, the weight's, that weight's massive, but you so said your yeah, first okay, four so that, that That would be the second thing. If he's, you can be as tall as somebody will say, but if there's a 20 kilo mass difference, your ability no, to look, look, up look. and crush somebody from up top oh, and then go down. I get it. I, I just think that the amount of tackles should be relative to the chances of doing a crusher. I, I, I agree with you as an accent. It's just there seems to be more players getting in tr- in trouble for it. I'd, than I'd like to others. see how many I'd like to look at a differential of players charged with crusher. Not based on position, but based literally on stature. The bigger, heavier players who are yeah. slower to move who are taught to tackle up high and wrap up everything to prevent that would be the question. That will include shoulder and neck, etc. It's the ones where if the players are on the ground and there's no need to literally drop on their neck, they're the ones that I think need to get out of the game. The incidental ones, like I thought this was, and you could see the player twist and change in the tackle. That's you can't. Do you know stop what I'm liking though? And be like, oh. Wait on, I felt him moving. I'm going to readjust my grip. Do you know what I am liking, though? A lot more players are getting up after. Um, They are. There's been a few, like, there's been a few that I'm like, oh, geez, he's going to stay down here. And um, they haven't. I hope Um, the other players are calling him out. Yeah, well, that actually happened on the weekend. Um, Christian Welch called out Tyrone Peachy on the weekend. So I hit him late. No, not not sorry. Hit him on time. Ty- Tyrone Peachy tried to lay down for it, and there's actually audio footage, audio footage of um audio Christian Welch. <laughs> audio. See, I'm making the jokes tonight. Shut up. Um, <laughs> That's no, but it... blind people who listen. <laughs> blind people we hear. I see. Um, damn it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Shut, we'll move on. Okay, Corey Waddell has copped a one-week ban for contrary conduct. He's also received a fine of thirteen fifty. Clemmer will miss two matches. 
Um, One match. Newcastle prop would have missed two matches if he challenged. However, he um, halved it with an early guilty plea. Keon Komatangi had entered the early guilty plea with missed two matches. Uh, crush a tackle. Uh, Manly Savita Funa was the only other player for suspended from round 23. He has taken a two-match verdict uh, after being charged by a match convey over the incident. Side over a shoulder charge. I didn't even see that. <laughs> oh my god! I'm right. in a match review committee. Um, yeah, Sharks forward Brighton Akora, Eels hooker Joey Lussick, Scott Sorensen, Ashtown Sam McIntyre each received fines, as did Anthony Milford. Um, yeah, cool. Pretty good game by Milford on the weekend. Uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> huh? Yeah, cool. <laughs> ah, big call. Hang on. Um, for the Rabbitohs, Josh Mansell expected to miss the remainder of the season with a knee injury. He was just in some decent form too. Um, he was injured while trying to run the ball out of his own in goal and he's lost in their loss to Penrith. Uh, Junior Chitola passed the HIA, but will need to get through further tests this week after complaint of blurred vision. Yeah, not great. Uh, Xavier Coates has been cleared of an elbow injury and should be able to play against the Sharks. However, Tyson Gamble will be out for the remainder of the season after he underwent hand surgery. Tom Trevojevic is in line to play against Canterbury. So while he did get named, he was then ruled out anyway. Uh, Brad Parker has also declared himself available for selection. Not sure whose position he's going to take based on Moses Sully's performance, but we'll see. Uh, Renato Molotalo suffered a broken jaw during Cronulla's 50-20 to 20 when he was... He looks so good uh, on the way. Yeah. Unfortunately, he had a try uh, disallowed at some point through a break. But, man, he uh, – sorry, no, he didn't get just that. He gave it to Luke Metcalf, which prevented Molotalo's hat-trick at that point. So, yeah, he's – every time I see him play well, I just feel a little dead inside. Uh, Wade Graham <laughs> will not play again in 2021 um, after he intended to resume playing this year. He will be playing next year. Uh, he said, based on a series of head knocks, he's taking the cautious approach, which is the right way. Back rower Josh Curran for the Warriors copped a head knock, needs to pass HIA protocols, as does Adam Kieran um, at the Roosters. Nat Butcher left the field early in the second half with a knee injury, uh, waiting on scans. There was a twist involved in that. In Michael Sivo suffered knee injury when he was bent when he bent over awkwardly in a tackle. He has suffered medial ligament damage with scans scans today, which I haven't, I haven't seen any results from those scans yet, but we'll see. Uh, Dylan Edwards, no surprise they didn't finish a game. This one was due to a head knock. It was a decent head knock. Uh, um, as soon as you saw it, you're like, yeah, he's off. Adam Dewey left the field late in the match with a knee issue, but he should be okay. George Jennings came back from knee injury, was short-lived, hurt his knee again against the Gold Coast Titans, not good. Uh, Kevin Proctor's in doubt with an AC joint issue for next week's game. All right. Fair few there. Now, let's have a look at the games from the weekend. And we will start in a moment with the game on Thursday night between the Storm and the Titans. Okay. So, kicking off the round was the Storm attempting to win 19 games in a row to equal the 975. Sydney Roosters and yep. the Titans with a team attempting to stop them. And they did a pretty damn good job in the first half. The Titans finishing the first half 16-12 up. Uh, a very early try from Greg Marju in the second minute uh, after Patrick Herbert 
very strong run down the right hand edge, um, followed by a double to Jaden Campbell in the 11th and 32nd minute. One amazing catch off a bomb, jumping up high. Storm hit back uh, in that first half with tries to Marion Sevy and Harry Grant in the 23rd and 27th minute, both converted by Pappenhausen, uh, which put them behind 16 12 at halftime. However, the second half was a different story with the Titans only scoring uh, four points, a try in the 75th minute to Peachy, where the Storm put on 22 uh, to run away with this one, 34 20. Uh, and tying that all-time record with the Roosters, and they'll be going for 20 wins in a row next week. Now, a couple of things out of this, the fact that Bellamy said they felt no pressure to rush, rush back Pappenhausen. When you're in that position, you must be feeling pretty good about life, not having to rush back a fullback who has been talked about as a New South Wales uh, player this year and who's unbelievable at certain aspects of fullback play and great to watch. And uh, the fact that they rested uh, Justin Olam, Brendan Smith, uh, Nelson Offer Solomona was out. It's a great social media clip uh, from Brendan Smith, the boys watching their game and Justin Olam celebrating. Uh, it was brilliant. And you'd kind of expect them to be used to winning by now. And But the way that they were celebrating their team, their team and their teammates' tries on the TV was awesome to watch. Well, what I liked about this game was, sorry, um, Jaden Campbell scoring two tries Uh and the fact that it looks like he's going to get the um, number one jersey next year over AJ Brimson, who they're going to move to 5'8". I I don't mind that at all. Like, I I like it. And the fact that Brimson's been their, what, best attacking weapon for the last three years and they rate this guy higher at the fullback position, I reckon that's putting a lot of confidence, but from what we've seen from him in the last sporadic amount of games, he's been out of play. He's definitely earned that. Earned it. He's playing really well, so this should be interesting. Uh, some comments by Jamal Fogarty after the game. I just wanted to uh, talk about because they kind of highlight what I was saying and go, oh, they highlight what Jared was saying as well, I guess, with regards to David Fafita. So he was asked about that. And asked about the 21-year-old and the form that he's in and what he's feeling like, et cetera, et cetera. So Fogarty said, uh, to be honest, Dave isn't the one losing us games. It's the 13 guys that are out there and the four guys on the bench. For him to cop all the criticism is pretty harsh. It's, uh, um, it's a team environment. We're not an individual sport like tennis or golf. However, Fogarty conceded the side could do better at giving Fafita more opportunities to make an impact with the ball. From winger to winger, if we're running hard, finding our fronts and getting a quick play of the ball, we all know what Dave can do with a bit of time and space. This is what I was leading to a couple of weeks ago in that it's pretty hard for him to do anything when their props in the middle aren't moving forward. She can't just throw it to him and expect him to do everything. And especially as a 21-year-old, there is still another three or four years before he gets to the peak of his game in that position, especially defensively, but also injecting himself in attack. And Fogarty pretty much summed that up. But when everyone else is getting suffocated and dominated, we can't just throw the ball to Dave and expect him to do something. That that works in Little League. It works in 16. Sometimes even works in 18. It doesn't work in the NRL. And when Fafita was at his best, even at the Broncos, he had Payne Haas and Matt Lodge taking the floor, which are quite good to do. 
And then they were relying on individual talents, stags and Fafita to do things. There weren't structures in place as a team to do well. But it's 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 encouraging to hear that coming from the person who guides the team around saying, yes, we need him. Yes, we need him at his best, but we can't just expect him to do everything if the platform's not there for him to do it on. Um, and that's for every second round in the game, except for pretty much Tamalolo and his is taken out of his hands based on the minutes that he's playing. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Gold Coast got to do better. Um... Yeah, every, everyone has to do... They just well, have to do a better job as a team. Yeah, they, you know, we had everyone put in there up, up near the closest to the top eight, and they still can make it, but the everything's got to be better for them yeah. right now. That's that's the sad reality of it. They've got to do better, and I, even if they make the finals this year, um, I think they have to win the last two games. I don't yeah. even know who they're playing. I would put this year down as a failure just on some of the results and some of the performances that they've put down is just not playing to the standard of quality of the players they've got in their team. Yes. And I, I I agree with you there. I wouldn't say it's a failure based on position on the ladder. I would say it's a failure based on on some the of the results that led to their performance on the ladder. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. The yeah. ones that they've I, lost, I, I, they've lost convincingly. Yeah. Um, and that consists of, like, as a Titans fan, I wanted I would have wanted my team to come out and put their best foot forward against the Storm. And for the first 40 minutes, they did that. To be able to do that for a second 40 minutes against the Storm, we've seen that even the best teams can't always do that. Um, yeah, and I liked it. But I wanted more and, than four points in the second half. And see, the thing about it is, if they put that performance on week in, week out, the question wouldn't be their um, quality over the season. It'd be their quality over a first half, which, you know, you, you can fix a second half of bad bad footy. You can't... It's going to be a lot harder to fix the hole they're in right now with the performances they've put forward. Like, some of the games they've been in this year, they just weren't in it. That's, no. that's all it was. It's just been hard. So, yeah. they, they've got a lot to improve for next year. Last, not the season just gone, the season before that, my Osaki team was the worst in recorded recent history with regards to how many points we won over the season, how many games we won. We're the worst 20 points behind second last. Um, There's one thing different between that team and the Titans team. We didn't have any elite talent at all. Yeah. Now, if you look at Fafita as an elite talent, um, Tino has the ability to be one of the top in his position in the league. Proctor. Uh, well, I wouldn't say Proctor's elite, um, but he's a season. He was at one point. He was at one point, but I'm talking like right now, presently while they're playing. Um, but my team went out then tried their butt off every single game and literally played as well as they could for the talent they had. And I was never surprised that we lost. No, you couldn't say it. I wasn't surprised. Like we were losing hockey games. I saw games like eight one, eight nil. Um, that's a rarity, and we lost four of those sort of games in a season. It's crazy, but they were working their butt off every game. They just had no talent. Um, there's a difference in effort. All right, Friday night, didn't end up going down. Um, ended up having three very highly uh, high involvement athletic lessons at work. Ended up playing a capture the flag over an entire school. And our school is quite long. 
uh, pretty wrecked by the end of the day, so I did not drive down to Brisbane for these games. But Raiders versus Eagles was the first game. Uh, Raiders jumped out to a 12-0, a deserved 12-0 lead. Manly was slow out of the box considering how they started the previous week against Parramatta. Obviously, the talk was around Draboyevich not playing based on giving it an extra week after that uh, collision on his cheekbone. And um, I think Hazard could have done more to get the team up for it. They did look quite slow out of the blocks. Uh, credit to Ricky Stewart, fielding a very strong side, and they played like it. I do. I did think that the a turning point here, not just half time, was when uh, Rapana came off the field uh, to allow Charles Nickel Cookstar to go onto the field. I didn't see. Um, Rapana as the one making way for Nickel Cookstar to come on because Rapana has been quite good form the last few weeks at fullback for him to shift back to the wing. I thought Harley Smith Shields would have come off. Um, and I thought they lost a lot of go forward with Rapana off the field and allowed Manly to continue to get back into the game as they already were at that stage. Uh, Nickel Cookstar did make a mistake off um a bomb where he was tackled quite hard and it popped out of his uh, grip, which allowed Curtis Sirenin to score. Sorry, Curtis Sirenin to score. What did he get his yeah. kick? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he did get across the line the 79th minute, though. Charles Cooks off a really uh, decent try where Canberra loaded up one side of the field to create an overlap and executed it really well. Like It's a, a really hard one to defend. I think Hazard and Manly will be pretty upset. It's the third time or three times in the last four halves of footy where they've let a try in the last minute of that half. It happened twice against Parramatta. It happened once against Raiders. Uh, Manly were down 12-0 at half time. came out and scored straight away in the 42nd minute. Uh, Morgan Harper scored a try in the 57th minute and then Siren in the 63rd. Now... I think two big storylines out of this game. Um, Moses Suli got a start for the first time in <laughs> quite a long time, uh, replacing Brad Parker. And let's just say he had a bit of a night out. So before Adam gets into it, on last week I had a fucking terrible week at work and I messaged the missus on Friday afternoon and went, look, let's go out to dinner so none of us have to cook. In the first half hour at dinner, I smashed five scotches and we were there three and a half hours. So it was a good, it was a good night um, for me. <laughs> Mrs. was not in very impressed. Pregnant DDY. <laughs> so I get home. I get home right on the um, right on the. Oh, I think it was about just just after the second game started, and Adam this. Adam messaged um, someone who went, Parker instead of Sully, Manly don't win that game. And I went, oh, no, the last try wasn't flashed defensively for him. I was blind. Adam just pipes up at least 30 seconds later. Seriously, that's what you focus on? That happens every game to every centre. Plus, they loaded that side. He took his man out and he went to try and cover the winger. And all I said was, to be fair, I've been at the pub only part, only part of the game I won. Adam just blew up. It was so good. I just felt, I felt good being validated, at least for one game, being validated. <laughs> starting games. 
And, <laughs> and then, hold up. And then after that, he put in he put in his stats: eighteen hit ups, two hundred and eight meters, eleven tackle breaks, one line break, one line break assist. <laughs> it was Where this is? <laughs> like it, it, look. I didn't watch the game, but. Going through the highlights because I always watch the extended highlights. He did play really well. It's just as Adam said, he was I felt viol, um, not violated, validated for the first time. <laughs> Someone just posted back at him and he just blew up straight away. It was so good. Oh, it was yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> um, now. Most of us always got mistakes in his game, and he did. He made a knock on the play. I can't remember the other one. He had two missed tackles, and he only had to make seven. So that's not great um, differentials. But Brad Parker's in there as a defensive specialist, and his defense hasn't been great the last um, three, four weeks anyway. Now, and I mean, I mean that if Brad Parker played instead of Sully, Manly, I don't think oh. Manly would have won that game because a lot of Sully's runs were coming out of our own half. Uh, where we needed big meters, where we, where Manly needed big meters, and he stood up and made them. And you have a look at the meters in the back line. You had uh, Sully at 210, Garrick at 244, uh, who, believe it or not, play on the same side. And then uh, Harper, 78, and Saab, 70. So, see, see 18 this runs. is where and 26 runs compared to 11 and 10. So they were getting themselves involved a lot. And without those running meters, and I like Parker, I like him as a club man, um, but he's not running for 200 meters a game. Yeah, see, this is, this is I actually do agree about him, despite I've been taking the piss about it for him. Um, this, this year, you know, there's been records broken with point scoring feats. You know, you've got Melbourne... Scoring what the most points in round up to in round nineteen anyone else has done in the round twenty six season, um, or whatever the hell it was, you know they've got the best for and against. Manly have a lot of, I would say, strong defensive players, especially with Curtis Sirenic coming back. Um, I think that's a really strong thing. During this final series, it's going to be about points. Yeah, and. Moses Suley, like Adam said, yes, he's got some defensive lapses in his game. Yes, he's got some drop ball in his game, but he can create so much more than Parker can. And in that back line, I see them as a bigger threat and more of a chance of um, winning winning a finals game. Because let's face it, origin games and finals games are not consistent put the player in there who's going to make the right calls at the right time. You only have to win in the finals game one of the, like one game at a time. It's not yeah. 30 games when you're trying to save four and against. No one gives a shit about four and against when it comes down to finals. So if you win 32-30, you win. The other guy's got his Mad Monday two days later. That's the reality of it. And you need to have players like Moses Sully in your squad if... He's got confidence about him because Moses Suley, if you're he's not confident, he's an attacking liability just as much as he's a defensive yes. liability. That's where he's at. So Brad Parker, when Moses Suley's not confident, put him in. Go for it. He's going to be better for it. But if Moses Suley's in the mood he is in and they prime him for the finals, Manly just got another string to their bow. 
Yes. And when you're versing someone like Melbourne, um, Penrith, Parker Abidos, can't break that break those, that defense. Yeah, with those I was gonna say with those attacking threats out wide, Brad Parker's better defensively than Sully, but he's not gonna be the difference in winning or losing that game when it's a center matching up a center at, on the end of the Rabbitohs back line. So the like, if you the put Rabideau's Parker running, against Sully, he's gonna get smoked. I'm uh, not Sully, Olam. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who's there. Like, elite defensive centers are rarities. Like, Josh Morris is an elite <clears throat> defensive center. Elite of the elite. elite. Now, um, oh, I was going to say the other thing outside of this. Um, oh, bloody hell. I don't know that. Oh, yeah. We said Suley's uh, a oh. defensive liability. Yeah, I mean, he, I said he only had to make seven tackles. Morgan Harper had to make 19. So Sully is a defensive liability. Why are you over doubling the runs at Harper, not Sully? If you're Canberra, I don't. I, I didn't get that. I was like, why aren't they running at Sully? That's where I'd be running. He only had he only had to make seven tackles, and his defensive <laughs> efficiency was seventy eight percent. Yeah, it was incredible to see that. So I was oh, quite surprised. Okay, sorry. I I um I just got something sent to me that I, that I have to share. It's so cool. Um, <laughs> is it at all so, with rugby league? Yes, it is 100% yeah. due to rugby league. So earlier I said, I don't know who Gold Coast is playing this weekend. Just found out they're playing Newcastle. Oh, they, the official Twitter for Gold Coast just posted, and the, and the caption reads, the last time we met went a little something like this. And it has a try. Patrick Herbert scoring in the corner. Tino Fas- uh, AJ Brimson screaming at a Newcastle guy on the ground. Tino Fasamalali celebrating. And um, thing. And so they tw- they put down that last time we met against Newcastle, Gold Coast smacked us. Mm-hmm. That was about three hours ago. Newcastle are posted back and they've screenshotted the ladder with Newcastle ahead of Gold Coast. We're on this weekend. This is this is such a rare thing in rugby league that we don't actually get to see this stuff it's usually anymore. Raiders so. and Roos, uh, Raiders and uh, Rabbitohs are generally really good with that. But yeah, no, it's um stuff like this is just cool. Sorry, I it, it was just no, awesome. that's cool. I, I think watching that Manly saw on the weekend, that's it to me the uh, strongest lineup. Obviously, uh, outside of Trebojevic not being there, so he'd come in to the Tavita Funa. Uh, Cherry Evans and Foran were really good, uh, considering they were down 12 0. They led from the front in the second half. Um, kicking was really good. And Lachlan Croker continued to do well. Uh, for the Raiders, it was an opportunity lost. They were the better side in the first half. They defended quite well. The attacking raids that Manly had looked dangerous, um, but Raiders did what they could to keep them out. They came out as a second in the second half as a different team, though. Like they went from 12 0 up to 18, sorry, 19 12 down before scoring in the 70 something minute. You remember um, when. Um... And then Schuster made the dumb call of giving away professional foul, which, like, literally, it, it gave the Raiders a chance to win because um, they scored and then they got within range. Sorry, they scored. Manly had to weather 20 seconds or something. Schuster held on for too long, which wasn't required. Gave away a professional foul. He got sent off. Raiders kicked the ball upfield. And we're in range for a two-point field goal, which someone like Adam Reynolds could have slotted. And Manly could have lost that game. So I'm assuming Hazler would have ripped into shreds in the sheds. Shreds um, in the sheds? Yeah. Yeah. So 
Yeah, this game. Canberra needed to win. They yeah. really did. They really. All right. Second Next game. game. You've got, and this game, Penrith beat South Sydney. I was score 25, 25 to 12. 12. So, but the cool thing about this, man, uh, South Sydney are up 12 nil, which yeah. is massive. So I was sitting there thinking about this game when I was watching it. And I was like, you know what? This is the best game I've seen Penrith play yeah. in the last 18 months. They we, they they got bombarded at the start. You know, South Sydney's attack, especially on that left side, just ripped them apart. But then yeah. they what Pembroke did, they got down and dirty. They played percentage football, kicked to the corners, really quality football, and they literally dragged themselves up and got the win. But what got it for me was, you know, Nathan Cleary kicked that field goal, and then they ran back up the uh, up to the end of the field after kickoff. I think they might have got a penalty, but what showed me how good they were was that really simple try for Coruscant. Um, You know, he dummy ran through a ten meter wide gap and just scored right next to the post in the last minute of the game. It was just, it was such a, I won't say complete because of the first twenty minutes, but such a good. Confidence building win, and it showed that all the doubters, like me included, definitely that Penrith are definitely here because I don't think they could have dragged themselves out of this the last 20 as effectively for the last 18 months. It was just, it was the most impressive win I've seen for Penrith the whole time. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, I and the fact that, yeah, yeah, and sorry, the fact that. At the end of the game, Souths were just like, we threw everything we could at these blokes and they held us out for only two tries of a team who scored regularly 40 points in the last 10 weeks. Mm. It's just, yeah, there's it's more out of this than people realise. It's massive. Yeah, I think this is more impressive than their win over Melbourne earlier this year. Yeah. Um, in that, I, I tip Rabbitohs. Because I, I honestly thought they were in better form than Penrith were. I thought Penrith were winning scrappy games, but winning them because they are the better side and better sides usually come out on top, even in tight, scrappy games. The start of this game went how I expected the majority of the game to go. Rabbitohs just clicking on all cylinders. Um, Penrith holding them out better than other teams, but not enough in order to win the game. And Rabbitohs jumping out 12-0. Um I still thought that was flattering to Penrith in that Penrith had done nothing but defend and they defended well. And to be down only 12 nil, they were doing a pretty good job. Then when it yeah. hit half time and it really registered that it was only 12, 10, I went, shit, Penrith's going to win because Rabbitohs are such a confidence team. When things are going well for them, they're going really well things start to not go as planned, they honestly don't have a plan B because they're an all-out attacking machine. And if you look at their tries scored over the last few weeks, it's something like 80%, 90% are scored from the backs. If the backs don't score, they don't score a lot of the tries through the forwards. Cam Murray picked one up last week, but there's not a lot of set plays on or that are required for the forwards to do. And if they don't have the field position, they don't score a lot of long-range tries either. So the fact that Penrith held them out after that, the 21st minute for the rest of the game, so 60 minutes, 
I think it's really going to rock the confidence of some of the Rabbitohs players. Wayne Bennett's going to go back and, and look at what happened, et cetera, et cetera. But for Penrith to claw themselves back from 12-0 down and continue to chip away and chip away and then come away with the win um, was really impressive. I think I put out a tweet going, um, I don't understand why Cleary and Luai get all the credit. Momorowski is obviously their best player because both the first tries uh, were set up from Momorowski kicks. Uh, two completely different ones. That little mini chip for the second try was absolutely sweet to watch. I think someone tweeted back, this is Momorowski's world and we're all just living in it. I was like, that was actually the second version of the tweet I was going to put out. Um, yeah, really overall impressive performance by Penrith as a team. Obviously, Cleary had a hand in, in quite a lot. Um, I thought Crichton looked really good going back to fullback. It was probably his best fullback game and he got thrown there during the game after Edwards went out. And yeah, all credit to him. I think there's enough there for Bennett to be concerned, not that he's going to show it, but there's definitely stuff that um, bunnies need to work on moving forward. Yeah. All right. That's right. Saturday's game got- up at Brown Park in Rockhampton. Oh, this this was, one, this is oh. just as horrible. Now, I, this I don't Saturday, this, go for in this. I just. This Saturday lineup wasn't flash. Cronulla, no. um, 50 points. Over the Tigers, 20. Um, Bulldogs. Yeah, there's not much you can say. Tigers don't make the finals for another year. Cronulla still in the hunt when they got in the top eight from this one. Um, but, yeah, I'm not I'm not overly worried about them. Uh, it was so an entertaining game to watch. Uh, it was great to see Brown Park pack. I still haven't checked with James whether he was at that game. He lives up there. I went Tigers literally based on, I know that they can put on a lot of points and Sharks aren't great defensively. I've tipped the Sharks twice in the last four weeks. Both times they lost by two points. So I, You I went Tigers and you went Sharks in this. Did I? Yeah, I went Tigers. Oh, shit, yeah. Damn it, I went <laughs> Tigers in my one at work. Oh, crap. Okay, so, yeah, I'm not, Matt Moylan had a, was it Matt Moylan who had a good game in this one? Will Kennedy did again. Yeah, Will um, Kennedy. Sorry, Matt Will 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 did had a oh, brilliant game. Yeah, um, yeah and then he, he broke his a, jaw. Yeah, until that. Um, he was. He had a double after 35 minutes. Could have had a hat trick. Uh, gave that one to Luke Metcalf for his first try. He ended up with a double as well. Will Kennedy with a double. Sione Katoa with a double. Oh, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Four players with doubles. Uh, Stefano Utakamano for Tigers, unsung hero, needs to build their team around him. He's he's really good. Michael Cheekham needs more of a run. They put him in the centres. He's a second role, so I hope Newcastle buy him. He's a, he'd be right. a good guy to have around the team. And um, Alex Twile, uh, Alex Twile bringing out the good numbers again. You know, thirty nine tackles, twelve runs, um, really solid, but. You know, Luke Brooks is just struggling hardcore. Adam Dilley's just—he's he's doing really well, but he can't—he can't do everything. For the Tigers, Jesus, uh, sort of Cronulla, like they scored fifty points, but yeah, I don't have too much going for them right now. Well, it was an entertaining. They—they they did some. They played some entertaining footy. Uh, Luke Metcalf is a pickup that they got from the Seagulls in the off season. Speed to burn for a half. Uh, really awesome to see him get a full run. I was quite surprised because they named Trindle and Tracy 
uh, in the halves. Uh, Metcalf Metcalf played seventy seven minutes uh, in the halves, and Tracy ended up playing in the centres um, with Trindle at halfback. So they shuffled some things around there as a late change. Uh, as Moylan came onto the interchange, he played nineteen minutes um, in his third or fourth comeback of the year. I don't know. Uh, Will Kennedy, great value again to watch. Like you're watching it for a pure entertainment point of view, it was a good game. Uh, if you're looking at it for teams that are going to ruffle feathers in the finals or towards the end of the season, I wouldn't read into too much. From a highly entertaining game to an absolute snore fest, at least in the first half in this game, there were some nice tries, including Jaden Ockenbaugh's try in the 79th minute. To me, the try of the season, just purely based on difficulty. Uh, so the Knights 22 defeating the Bulldogs 16. Knights, Knights fans should be happy to get the two points. The way in which they did it. Uh, well, see, there, there's there's two thoughts in it. So we played like shit. Can't deny that. Um, yeah. But there's the one thing that Newcastle has struggled to do the last three, four years is score tries off kicks. And the Mitch Barnett, when he threw that back to Jacob Saifredi, oh, yeah, that was fluke. But that was that was another thing that Newcastle been lacking: commitment and the actual skill to be able to do something like that. Mitch Barnett actually played a real good game. But if you watch the Inari Tuala try, mm. where Jake Clifford put that grubber in, it was a perfectly constructed try where Newcastle set the back line up for that kick and it bounced up. It just looked like something Newcastle haven't done in years and years and years and years. So for me, that's literally the only pos- only um, positive that I can take out of this game that we have actually scored some tries off a... Um, oh, I can, I can take out a, a couple of positives. If I was... If I'm an avid NRL fan and I'm a Cowboys fan, I've turned this on as the early game. I'm turning it off because of how good Jake Clifford played. I thought he was <laughs> yeah, no, he's um running he's playing really well. That his try, his solo try, is a confidence try. He yeah. had a backline set. He had the ball out in two hands, and he saw half a gap, and he took it. And once he was through that first gap, another step and a shimmy, and he rocketed through that gap, and you could see the smile on his face. The grubber that he kicked for that Tawala try, it wasn't a standard grubber. It was one of the ones where he was running. Um, sideways while kicking and in order to do that the balance your center of gravity have to be pinpoint over the ball otherwise you overshoot it hence uh Lachlan Croker against in the Manly game where they'd set up for him to kick through for Cherry Evans and he put it almost into the freaking first row um it 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 just screamed skill and he was starting to really show that the Cowboys this year right before they got rid of him um, some of the best commentary over the weekend was when Bradman Best got the break and I don't know who the commentator was. We said the ground was shaking. I thought that was actually Bossy. kind of funny. Um, there you go. You get one in 10, Bossy. Um, <laughs> no, like there, there is possibly. I, Mitch Barnett, he's been super uber consistent in the last 18 months. Um, he's our enforcer and he's been playing really well um, and he always takes the shit runs. And but you know, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, look, 
22-16 over the bottom team. Four Bulldogs. Mate, Paul Flanagan, he just has no confidence, eh? Literally, like you, you say confidence for Clifford, bad. but then you look at the opposing halfback. Man, he was getting smacked around. He wasn't had no peripheral vision, had no awareness of what's going on. He he, he just doesn't know what's going on. And he and and he he can't deny he has the potential. And that's the unfortunate thing. He's just he's there's too much pressure putting that boy too early in his career. And I think that a lot of teams like when he was at Roosters, they thought he should have done better. Now he's at Bulldogs. You know that. They were putting the whole pulling them out of the fucking fire on top of this yeah. bloke, and he just it is what made it worse is Lock and Lewis outplayed him as well. Yeah, which uh, if Lock and Lewis is outplaying you, know you're having a bad game. Okay, right. next game oh, 32 beat a team that's not in the top eight. Whoa, 32 16. Christ. So, this is my prediction last game, uh, for the preview of this, this round was that. Everyone's going to jump off Parramatta's back once they won again. It's currently Monday night. The game was on Saturday. And you know what? Brad Arthur still got his job. This time last week, he was there again headhunted by the entire Fox Sports. But they won again. So, you know, he's safe. He's all good. Um, see through it. Uh, everyone's I, I'm still going to call, I'm still gonna criticize. I don't, I don't exactly agree with how Parramatta are playing. But this is exactly how I predicted. They Cowboys, they didn't really set, stand a chance. They put some really interesting late changes onto the field. So they moved... Um, yeah, I lost it. They moved... Um, what did they move? They moved Mitch down to lock. Hamasau Tebow to fullback. Mossa Drecky to the wing. Val Holmes on the wing as well. Um, Greenville off the bench, which I actually don't mind, even though he had number four on his back. So, and they debuted um, Jeremiah Nanai. Nanai. No, Nanai debuted a couple of weeks ago. Oh, did he? Okay. Well, they had Dijan Arsi. Their back line was... um, Mocha Drecky was on debut. Yeah, Mocha Drecky. And he played really well, actually. I'll give try. Um, but you know, the fact that they're playing eight hundred grand for a guy who's going to play on the wing, I don't um, care. Uh, Money is not an issue. Just play them wherever you reckon they're going to get the best out of him. Yeah, I just hope they don't ruin Tavio Fidel. I, I just don't hope. I just hope Payton doesn't wreck this club because they've gone backwards since he got there. In all honesty, and that's saying something. Yeah. So they weren't great last year. Yeah. Uh, I really don't know what to take. I, I, this doesn't instill any confidence in me if I'm an Eel supporter because it's another win against an outside the top eight team, in this case, the third worst team in the comp um, by the ladder as it stands. So take it what you will. I guess it's a win. It's another two points. It consolidates a top four position at the moment. Um, no, it doesn't. What am I saying? They're in six. That's right. So <laughs> they got belted last week. What am I talking about? Um Keeps them three wins ahead of the night, so they can't get caught. So the worst they can finish is sixth. The highest they can finish is fourth, depending on the last two weeks. And they've got the Storm next weekend. So we'll see how much of a confidence booster it actually gave them. Um, to a kind of odd game, Dragons 22, 
uh, go down to the Roosters' 40. So Dragons didn't score a point till the last minute of the first half, so the 39th minute. Um, so in the last, well, basically the first 39 minutes, they didn't score. In the last 41, they scored a, a basically half a point a minute. So they came home real strong. The downside for them is uh, the Roosters continue to score throughout the entire game. From the 11th minute all the way through to the 79th, uh, they were putting on points uh, with a big burst from the 55th through the 69th minute where they put on four tries. Funnily enough, Roosters ripped through to Dragons' middle. Yeah. <laughs> with uh, speed. Um, a hat-trick here. Why, why is that? Why is that? No, oh, it's something to do with the Dragons having non-mobile forwards. Uh, the fact that the Bellens, your prop, um, someone like Tariq Sims in the middle of the field having to make tackles and not just and, run and staying fresh. And, and, um, and Josh Maguire started hooker. Ah, does my head in. <laughs> Can't believe it. I don't, I don't. He's a good defender. <laughs> He's <laughs> not running from dummy half. He's not. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, nah, look, Roosters, Roosters has ripped apart. It was very interesting to actually drop Sam Walker late um, in this game. He became 18th man, but then they got a, um, then they brought actually on the 18th man. So you got to no, run. He was on the interchange. Oh, sorry. He was on, on the interchange. Yeah. Sorry, but they dropped him. Yeah, they dropped him. Like, you freaked me out then. I'm like, I swear I saw him on the field. What are you talking Yeah, about? I was trying to figure out the free people. But yeah. Um, right, lucky Lamb got to start. Tedesco. Again, like he is being, he's just everyone's. So they're blowing up about Trevojevic, justified. They're blowing up about Cody Walker, justified. But this bloke has been doing this for the last five years. So he's got four try assists in this game, 12 tackle breaks, three line breaks assists, one offload, and three line breaks himself. And he ran impressive. Yeah, here we go. 30 runs for 318 meters. Yeah. Like, and and the fact that it's brilliant. Absolutely people brilliant. sit there and they get on these fucking panels on Channel 9 and Fox Sports and go, you know what? Tedesco, uh, Travojevic has played eight good games. He is the best fullback in the NRL. Um, sit the fuck down. This bloke's been doing this for like three, four, five years and it's it's blown so far. If if this was Trevojevic doing this, and this is not taking anything away from Trevojevic, but this is him doing this. Um, what 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 do you think they react? How many highlights do you reckon would be all over everywhere? Like, oh, we wouldn't have stopped showing them. <laughs> it's just it's stupid. Like this, he, he deserves more respect than he's getting this way. Yeah, I don't disagree. And yeah. he's, he, he had a brilliant game. He's a brilliant player. And for probably the first time in his career, he's under the radar. Yeah, um, it's just at insane. Times, he yeah. was the go-to man. He was the first marquee at the Roosters in this new uh, Roosters team that we, we know now. And it, it is. It's the first time where I think due to other players, Warner, friend not being there, the injuries they've had, They've been written off as overall as a team. And once that happens, there's less individual spotlight that comes to players. And I, I don't know, I'd say he's really enjoying it. Um, yeah, I, it's just For the insane. Dragons, Talato Amone was really impressive in my point of view, not just in attack, but also in defense. 
So a young um, 5'8", they made him work. Uh, he ended up making 27 tackles as a 5'8", which That's is right. more than one of the second rows and all of the bench forwards. Uh, expect it, I guess, for the bench forwards. Uh, Jaden Sullivan played 62 minutes um, coming off the bench as well. Um, which is quite encouraging that your youngsters are getting those sort of minutes, uh, scoring a try as well. Outside of that, I, I did say leading into this, this is quite an, to me quite an exciting back line um, for the Dragons to choose from. The other side of that is defensively was going to be a bit of a struggle. And we talked about Tupo scoring a hat-trick. Um, you're looking at Dale Copley getting across the line as well. Um, one, two, three. Yeah, so four of the eight tries, I guess, coming through the backs and the other four picking on the, the weaknesses in the forwards as well. Sam Walker and Hutchinson both getting across for tries, um, as well as Satili Torpanua and Egan Butcher for the Roosters. Now, they're still sitting in fourth position. They're still a win ahead of the Seagulls and the Eels. Um, and at this stage, still get that second crack in the finals. And it looks as though they'll be lined up against a storm unless storm drop a game, two games, sorry, between now and the end of the season. Um, they'll probably need that second chance in all honesty. So still quite a bit to play for, for the Eels, Seagulls and Roosters. Um, yeah. Last game of the round was a bit of a blockbuster actually in the end. Um, Broncos 24 over the Warriors 22. So the Warriors with five tries, Broncos with four. However, the difference was Herbie Farnworth goal kicking four for four for the Broncos centre, one from five for Reese Walsh for the Warriors. And to say that he was shattered post-game would be an understatement. Coming back to make a statement game against the team that let him go, through the week, Kevin Walters made the comments that Brisbane would want to bring him back after his contract's over. Um, the Warriors CEO, Cameron George, they're coming out saying, why would he want to come back? You guys didn't want him to start with. We've signed him and he's going to be with us for a long time. Um, so basically, no buybacks. And then having the chance uh, to win the game, or at least tie the game, we'll say, in the 77th minute. But earlier opportunities, he was uh, a shattered youngster, considering we see how much effort he puts into his games. But, yeah, this, this had more entertainment than I assumed it would. It was hard for me to pick it when I ended up going with the Warriors, but I didn't see it being a an entertaining spectacle as it ended up being. That makes sense. Yeah, I, 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 I picked... look good together. I picked Broncos. Um, yeah, I just I think that their attitude has definitely improved, and that's the only difference. Like they've got the skillful players in their team. For the last two years, the issue has been only one their attitude, and two their what's the word their inconsistency in their lineups. Um, despite putting injuries aside, they've been dropping people left, right, and center for perceived issues, and that's been and yeah, and now they're just gone off. 
fuck it, pressure's off, let's just go. And that's what they've done the last couple of weeks. They just, they just seem like they're playing with no expectation on them. And because there's not, they don't get the wooden spoon. Um, and yeah, I just think they're getting ready for next year at this point. They're, play, they're having a better time. They seem happier on the field when they're playing. As as a person, as a fan who has always loved watching Milford play when he's on, he was one of my favourite players to watch when I was at Canberra. I hated the fact that he went to the Broncos because I was like, damn, he's going to make the Broncos better and I love watching this guy play. It was awesome to see a game like this from him. 19 runs, 149 metres, a line break, two line break assists, two try assists, a try, five tackle breaks, uh, two offloads, now, uh, 24 tackles with six miss, like, yeah, whatever. Uh, you expect that's going to happen. Oh, I just um, hope he has that confidence going off the bench next year. Or I also hope that he's not going to be the halfback for South Sydney next year. Yes. No, sorry. Uh, that didn't. I, I knew that last bit didn't stand right, so I tried it. Seven tackles, two miss. It was Albert Kelly making the 24 tackles. Uh, I jumped rows in when I was going through the stats. 15 kicks for 423 metres. Now... Broncos fans are just fine saying, where the hell has that been? <laughs> um, I said in the in the preview to this, I thought Milford and Kelly together was going to work quite well. Uh, it did so. Tessie New, massive game at fullback, over 200 running metres, over 21 hit-ups, uh, 46 con- post-contact metres as well. And I don't know, just a good all-round team performance and some of the meterage outputs of the other players. I, I was... I'd say took the pressure off Haas. He still ran for 204 metres to top the team outside of Niu, topped all the forwards, but you had 100 metre contributions from Corey Oates, that'd be Farnworth, Anthony Milford, Tom Flegler, uh, Reese Kennedy and Bullimore off the bench. It all adds up. So huge efforts for the Broncos as a team. Adam Fanua Blake for the Warriors, massive game, 63 metres over 200 uh, meters from 19 hit ups, 107 meters, 102 post contact meters. You're looking at bloody Tamalola numbers there, uh, to go along with 38 tackles and zero missed tackles. So that's a massive performance from the Kiwi prop there. All right, that takes us to the end of round 23. Big episode. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, we'll go through a quick run of the ladder 42 points for the Storm in first place. So the Eels up next. Penrith are on 40, Rabbitohs 38, Roosters on 32, Seagulls and Eels both on 30 points in fifth and sixth. Knights on 24 with a two-point gap over the Sharks. Or two gamed a gap. Yeah, two game gap, two win gap. Um, points differential, technically they can still miss the eights. Um, the Knights, they'd have to lose both games and the Sharks and Titans or Sorry, either the Sharks, Titans, Raiders, two of those three would have to win their last two. So the Titans-Knights game next week um, is a tell-all game. So Sharks, Titans, Raiders all on 20. Warriors, 19-21. Technically, them and the Dragons and Tigers on 18 points are all still in with a mathematical shot of eighth place. Uh, Broncos, Cowboys on 14 points, Bulldogs on six. The Broncos actually jumped the Cowboys based on that win and the four and against of 18. Yeah, difference there. So, 
yeah, it's still a lot to play for on these last two rounds for teams from 13 all the way up. The only team that's kind of in a no-move pattern really is the Rabbitohs. Um, they can't drop to fourth. They can move up to second and first, but they have to rely on the teams above them to lose, um, even if the Rabbitohs win out. So that's a wrap. Yeah, big episode. Um, thanks to Big T, um, Biggest Tiger on Twitter for giving us a shout-out. Supposedly we helped them with their podcast this week. Uh, they look at Chatter and NRL Twitter, so I'm sure they picked up one of my tweets and talked about it on their show, so we're going to give that a listen. And uh-huh. we're hoping to get some Twitter NRL uh, podcasts on the next few episodes um, as guests, so keep an ear out for that. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for supporting the show. And we'll chat to you guys on Thursday morning. See ya. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.